Chapters three and four of the Curved Blades by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Three, the tragedy. The house faced the east and built on an English model was far wider than deep. A broad hall ran through the centre from front to back, and on either side there were successive rooms whose windows looked out on equally beautiful scenes, both front and back on the right of the hall as one entered was the long living-room and beyond it the library and music-room the other side of the hall was a reception-room opening into the sun-parlour and on the conservatory and back of these the dining-room and smaller breakfast-room breakfast was served at nine and the members of the family were usually all present miss carrington herself made a point of being on time partly from habit and also because it gave her the opportunity to chide those who were late when she was not in her place on the morning after the stormy bridge game pauline expressed surprise and haviland echoed her words but anita said scornfully she went to bed in an awful tantrum and probably didn't sleep well miss frayne looked her prettiest and her rose-leaf face with its fluffy golden halo was like a grue's picture she wore a frivolous little house-gown of blue crepe de chine that just matched her forget-me-not eyes not especially appropriate garb for a secretary but miss carrington preferred her household to be well dressed and really commanded pretty tints and fabrics for the two girls pauline was in white serge of rather severe cut but which suited her as no frills and flounces could her black hair was smoothly parted and coiled low over her ears and her clear ivory-tinted skin was flushed faintly pink from the glow of the big crackling wood fire it's most unusual went on pauline after a few moments more had passed and the lady lucy had not appeared i'm going up to see if she is ill or-or merely in a tantrum extraordinary said anita her blue eyes full of laughing disrespect for her employer nita said haviland as pauline disappeared hold your breakfast napkin up in front of your face quick why said the girl wonderingly as she did his bidding because if you hadn't i should have flown at you and kissed you and i mustn't now for haskins is approaching with muffins down came the shielding napkin and only the arrival of the muffin-laden haskins saved the lovely laughing face from haviland's impetuous caress the old butler fussed about and several minutes passed when pauline called from above stairs gray come here at once desperate case and haviland rose and unhurriedly left the room pinching anita's little ear as he passed her another moment and miss frayne heard an exclamation from haviland that made her rise from the table and go flying upstairs herself the door of miss lucy's boudoir was open and entering she saw pauline and haviland with horror-stricken faces gazing at a terrible sight miss lucy carrington seated before her dressing-table her face white and ghastly her large eyes staring wide staring horribly but without doubt unseeing nor was this all of the strangeness of the sight she was robed in an embroidered oriental-looking gown and wore many jewels her red-dyed hair dressed elaborately as she had worn it the night before was still crowned with the enormous comb of carved tortoise-shell but the comb was broken to bits one portion still standing upright rose above the disordered coiffure but the rest in broken scraps lay scattered over the puffs of hair over the white hands clasped in her lap and on the floor at her feet what does it mean whispered anita shuddering is she is she dead yes answered haviland briefly he stood hands in pockets gazing at the startling figure who what anita's eyes riveted themselves on something else 
around the neck of miss lucy was yes it was a snake with a low scream anita flung herself into haviland's arms and he put her gently away from him aghast at this repulse anita put her hand across her eyes and turned to leave the room mind where you go nita called out haviland and the girl stopped just in time to save herself from stepping into a mass of debris why she cried why it's miss lucy's tray it was the silver tray that had held the breakfast tea was on the floor and near it a jumbled heap of silver and broken china that had once been a costly sevres set dainty white serviettes were stained with the spilled tea and a huge wet spot was near the overturned silver teapot hastily anita ran from the room but she sank down on a couch in the hall just outside the door utterly unable to go further fascinated by the beady eyes of the green snake pauline stared at it with clenched hands haviland stepped nearer and lightly touched it is it is it alive gasped pauline it's paper replied haviland quietly a paper snake a toy you know but who put it there aunt lucy is deathly afraid of snakes did fright kill her gray is she murdered yes pauline she has been killed but could it be fright impossible not for her you don't know her horror of snakes why going through the japanese department of a shop i've seen her turn white and fairly fly from the counter where those paper things were displayed but what else killed her there is no wound no shot no blood get the doctor gray don't wait a minute telephone at once he can do nothing pauline she is dead haviland spoke like a man in a daze but no matter we must call him shall i no i will go into her bedroom use that telephone by her bedside obediently haviland went on to the adjoining room the soft rugs giving forth no sound of his footfalls the door was ajar and as he opened it he called come here pauline look the night lights are burning and the bed untouched she hasn't been to bed at all of course she hasn't she has her hair as it was last evening but her comb is broken broken it's smashed it's in tiny bits she has been hit on the head don't touch her pauline you mustn't i'll call dr stanton you go out of the room go and find anita but pauline stayed turning her back to the still figure in the chair she gazed curiously at the upset tray on the floor she stooped when haviland's voice came sharply from the next room don't touch a thing pauline he cried as he held his hand over the transmitter she looked up and then as she saw him turn back to speak into the instrument she stooped swiftly and picking up something from the floor she hurried from the room she found anita on the couch in the hall and speaking somewhat sharply pauline said where's estelle mercy i don't know and anita's blue eyes stared coldly how should i know anything about estelle but she must have brought that tray an hour ago did she upset it or who pauline why do you act as if i knew anything about this matter is it because you do the blue eyes cold like steel and the dark ones flashing fire from their shadows looked steadily at each other gray haviland came hurriedly out to the hall the doctor will be here at once he said and he will call the coroner coroner screamed anita and ran away to her own room let her alone said pauline contemptuously but gray we must nerve ourselves up to this thing 
don't you think we ought to to put away the jewels it's wrong to let any one come into a room where a fortune in jewels is displayed like that but dr stanton said to touch nothing nothing at all you see pauline in a murder case oh i know nothing disturbed till the coroner comes and all that but this is different gray dr stanton didn't know there are two hundred thousand dollars worth of jewelry on that-that on her how do you know so exactly i'm not exact but she has told me times enough that the rope of pearls cost one hundred thousand and that corsage ornament she is wearing and her rings and earrings are easily worth the same sum i tell you there will be policemen here and it isn't right to throw temptation in their way besides and anita's voice spoke again as she reappeared in the doorway besides pauline they are all yours now and you should be careful of them the tone more than the words conveyed a veiled insolence and pauline accepted it for such with a sudden determined movement she went swiftly to her aunt's side and unfastened the long rope of pearls the wonderful glittering sunburst and a large diamond and emerald crescent that held together the glistening silk folds the rings and earrings she could not bring herself to touch it is only right she contended as if trying to persuade herself these are too valuable to risk no one could fail to be tempted by them why don't you finish your task said anita smiling unpleasantly why leave so much no one would attempt to take the rings or earrings said pauline steadily and that scarab bracelet is not of great value i thought that was a most valuable antique that her nephew sent her she thought so too said pauline carelessly but carr told me it was an imitation not one expert in a hundred can tell the difference anyway as pauline placed the mass of gems in the safe the doctor came what does it mean cried the bewildered man coming into the room miss carrington words failed him as he saw the astounding sight for surely no one had ever before seen a murdered woman sitting before her dressing-table staring but smiling and garbed as for a fancy dress ball dr stanton touched the icy cold hand felt for the silent heart and then turned his attention to the dishevelled hair and broken comb fractured skull he said as his skilled fingers threaded the auburn tresses killed by a sudden swift blow on the head with a heavy blunt no with a soft weapon a blackjack or sandbag a burglar exclaimed pauline of course who else would deal such a blow it was powerful dealt by a strong arm it has driven bits of this broken shell stuff into the brain but it was the force of the concussion that killed her here is a deep dent and yet tell me the circumstances why is she rigged out like this i've no idea answered pauline taking the initiative when i left her last night she had on an evening gown but this negligee is not unusual it is one of her favourites though why she has on that spangled scarf i can't imagine she seems to have been posing before the mirror rather than engaged in making a toilette dr stanton was a pompous middle-aged man of fussy manner he did not again touch the body but he stepped about noting the strange conditions and commenting on them this paper snake tight round her neck what does that mean what can it mean returned pauline she had an intense hatred even fear of snakes i have never seen it before could it have been placed there to frighten her to death no she didn't die of fright see her expression is placid 
even smiling but the shattered comb and dented skull have but one explanation a stunning blow did she have on the comb last evening yes it is a favourite one with her an heirloom from a colonial ancestor it encircled the entire back of her head when whole and what time was she killed asked gray haviland he had stood still till now a silent listener to the conversation between pauline and the doctor oh many hours ago returned stanton six or eight at least evidently she was preparing for bed and trying the effect of some new finery those things are not new put in anita she has had them all a long time but she must have been admiring herself for when we found her she had on all her finest jewels what cried dr stanton where are they i took most of them off replied pauline quietly and put them in the safe if the police people must come i am not willing to have a fortune in jewels here to tempt their cupidity and i have a right it is no secret that my cousin carrington and i are her heirs but that snake perplexes me beyond all else if you knew her aversion to them even pictured ones i do know it returned the doctor i have often heard her say so ah as he stepped carefully about she was adorning herself see here is powder scattered on the floor she used this powder puff shaking it over the rug and floor i saw that the first thing cried pauline excitedly and there was a she stopped looking in amazement at the white dust on the floor for where she had seen a distinct footprint of a stockinged foot there was now merely a blurred whirl some one had obliterated that footprint a what asked the doctor sharply nothing a uh, a lot of powder spilled i was going to say gray haviland looked at her tell the truth pauline he said i have she replied with a calm quite equalling his own must we have the coroner dr stanton yes yes of course i will telephone at once there will be police and detectives oh it is a terrible case nothing must be touched nothing if there is any clue to this mystery do not let it be disturbed but you say it was without doubt a burglar who did it said anita her wide eyes gleaming blue it must have been then why were none of her jewels stolen bless my soul and dr stanton looked as if a bomb had exploded at his feet sure enough it cannot have been a burglar who then what other motive than robbery it was a burglar declared pauline and he was he was frightened away by by a noise or, or something not likely said anita with all those gems in easy reach the coroner and the police must get here at once and the doctor wiped his perspiring brow never have i seen such an inexplicable state of affairs was was miss carrington indisposed at all last evening did she say or do anything unusual not at all began pauline but anita interrupted yes she did she said you little know what's going to happen to me to-morrow you may sing another tune what did she mean by that i've no idea could it mean suicide no thundered the doctor her skull was fractured by someone bent on wilful murder 
as there is no robbery we must look for a deeper motive and a cleverer villain than any professional burglar four a paper snake on the third floor was the bedroom of the maid estelle and before its locked door stood pauline and anita demanding admittance there was no response from inside until pauline said sternly unless you open this door at once estelle the police will force it open the key turned the door moved slowly ajar and estelle's face appeared wearing an expression of amazement what is it you say miss pauline the police why the maid was making a very evident effort to appear composed and was succeeding wonderfully well her eyes were reddened with weeping a condition which a hasty dabbing of powder had not concealed she was nervously trembling but her air of injured innocence if assumed was admirable estelle and pauline loomed tall and magnificent as an avenging angel what do you know of your mistress's death estelle gave a shriek and threw herself on her bed in apparent hysterics don't begin that ordered pauline sit up here and tell the truth but and the maid sat up sobbing i know nothing how can i nonsense you took the tea-tray to her at eight o'clock what did you see estelle shrugged her shoulders i saw miss carrington sitting before her mirror she i assumed was engrossed in reverie so i set down the tray on a tabouret and departed you noticed nothing amiss said anita staring at the girl no i scarce looked at the lady she reproved me harshly last night and i had no wish to annoy her i set down the tray with haste and silently departed you set it down who then overturned it overturned is it then upset estelle's manner was the impersonal one of the trained servant who must show surprise at nothing but it was a trifle overdone estelle stop posing wake up to realities miss carrington is dead do you hear dead ah oh, mon dieu did it then kill her and estelle's calm gave way and she screamed and moaned in wild hysterics what can we do with her asked anita helplessly she must know all about the 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 murder said pauline calmly but she will tell us nothing it is useless to question her the coroner will attend to it anyway the coroner and anita looked frightened will he question all of us of course he will and anita pauline whirled on her suddenly what are you going to say was the errand that took you to aunt lucy's room after one o'clock last night i nothing of the sort i was not in her room after we left it together i saw you don't trouble to deny it and pauline dropped her eyelids as one bored by a conversation you did and anita's flower face turned rosy pink and her blue eyes blazed with an intensity that pauline's dark ones could never match be careful pauline stuart or i shall tell what i know you dare to make up such a story it was i who saw you come from your aunt's room at a late hour what have you to say now nothing to you and pauline swept from the room and returned slowly down the stairway to the second floor the sight of the two police officers in the hall gave her a sudden start how had they appeared so soon and how dreadful to see them in the palatial home that had heretofore housed only gentle-mannered aristocrats and obsequious liveried servants 
the men looked ill at ease as they stood against the rich background of tapestry hangings and tropical palms but their faces showed a stern appreciation of their duty and they looked at pauline with deferential but acute scrutiny not noticing them in any way the girl her head held high went straight to her aunt's room sergeant flake was in charge and he refused her admission coroner's orders ma'am he said he'll be here himself shortly and then you can see him come away pauline and haviland appeared and took her by the arm where's anita i left her in estelle's room oh great that girl hush and gripping her firmly haviland led her to a small sitting-room and shut the door now listen pauline mind what i say don't give the least bit of information or express the slightest notion of opinion except to the chief authorities and not to them until they ask you this is a terrible affair and a mighty strange one who did it gray never you mind don't even ask questions the very walls have ears who upset that breakfast tray estelle of course she says she didn't she lies everybody will lie why pauline you must lie yourself i won't do it i have no reason to you may find that you have but at least pauline i beg of you that you will keep your mouth shut there will be development soon there must be and then we will know what to do the two returned to the boudoir at first glance it seemed to be full of men the beautiful room with its ornate but harmonious furnishings and appointments of the marie antoinette period was occupied with eager representatives of the law and justice hunting for any indication of the ruthless hand that had felled the owner of all that elegance coroner schofield was receiving the report of dr moore who had arrived with him dr moore agreed with dr stanton that the deceased had been struck with a heavy weapon that had fractured the skull but he admitted the wounds showed some strange conditions which could only be explained by further investigation the coroner was deep in thought as he studied the face of the dead woman it is most mysterious he declared that face is almost smiling it is the face of a happy woman clearly she did not know of her approaching fate the blow was struck from behind informed dr moore even so why didn't she see the approach of the assailant in the mirror she is looking straight into the large glass must have been looking in it at the moment of her death why receive that death-blow without a tremor of fear or even a glance of startled inquiry inspector brunt stood by gravely and for the most part silently watching and listening that might imply he said slowly that if she did see the assailant it was some one she knew and of whom she had no fear gray haviland looked up suddenly a deep red spread over his face and then seeing himself narrowly watched by the detectives present he set his lips firmly together and said no word pauline turned white and trembled but she too said nothing why is she sitting in this large easy-chair went on the coroner is it not customary for ladies at their dressing-tables to use a light side-chair this showed decidedly astute perception and the inspector looked interestedly at the chair in question which he had not especially noticed before being tacitly appealed to by the coroner's inquiring eyes pauline replied it is true that my aunt usually sat at her dressing-table in a small chair that one in fact and she pointed to a dainty chair of gilded cane i have no idea why she would choose the heavy cushioned one it would seem the coroner mused 
as if she might have sat down there to admire the effect of her belongings rather than to arrange her hair or toilette absorbedly all present watched coroner schofield's movements it was true the quietly reposeful attitude of the still figure leaning back against the brocaded upholstery and so evidently looking in the great gold-framed mirror was that of one admiring or criticising her own appearance added to this the fact of her bizarre costume and strange adornments it seemed certain that miss carrington had come to her death while innocently happy in the feminine employment of dressing up in the elaborate finery that she loved but the snake carefully coroner schofield removed the inexplicable thing he held it up that all might see a japanese paper snake a cheap toy such as is found together with fans and lanterns in the oriental department of large shops could this have been placed round her neck after death schofield inquired of the doctors the two physicians agreed that though that was possible yet the appearance of the flesh beneath it seemed to indicate its having encircled the throat during life never cried pauline excitedly aunt lucy couldn't have sat there and smiled with a snake anywhere near her that would seem so and dr stanton nodded his head i well know of my late patient's aversion to snakes it amounted almost to a mania it is not an uncommon one many women feel the same though seldom to so great an extent that deepens the mystery said coroner schofield unless indeed the snake was put on after the crime but that is even more mysterious i shall now remove these valuable jewels and give them to he looked inquiringly at haviland and pauline and the latter immediately responded give them to me mr schofield i am now mistress here haviland said nothing but he looked at pauline as if in disapproval is this of great worth inquired schofield as he carefully removed the scarf from the shoulders it surrounded only moderately so returned pauline it is a syrian scarf and was sent to her by her nephew who lives in egypt it is not new he sent several to us about a year ago she took the long heavy white and silver drapery and laid it in a nearby wardrobe then the coroner unfastened the large pearls from their place as eardrops and taking up one lifeless hand removed its rings all these he handed to pauline without a word what is this he exclaimed suddenly and opening the curled-up fingers of the other hand he drew forth a crumpled grey object it was a glove of soft suede and so tightly had it been held that it was deeply creased a man's glove said the coroner smoothing it out will the wonders of this case never cease he scrutinized it but remarking only that it was of medium size and superior quality he laid it carefully aside for the time from the same arm he removed the scarab bracelet also handing that to pauline the lady was fond of oriental jewellery he observed yes returned haviland before pauline could speak her nephew sent her brought home much of it but as we informed you miss carrington was also wearing pearls and diamonds of enormous value compared to which these trinkets are as nothing but scarabs i am told are of great price some are returned haviland that bracelet however is not genuine nor of great value then the coroner with a delicate touch removed the bits of broken tortoise shell from the puffs of hair and carefully laid them together on a small silver tray he appropriated from the dressing-table litter i think said inspector brunt in his grave slow way that it will be wise to photograph the whole picture from several points of view before the autopsy is performed 
arrangements had been made for this and detective hardy a young man from headquarters stepped forward with his camera as those who were asked to left the room pauline and gray went out together and met anita just outside the hall oh tell me gray who did it what does it all mean she cried and grasped him by the arm tell her about it gray said pauline and leaving the two together she went swiftly along the hall to her own room the alert eyes of the guarding policemen followed her but also they followed the movements of every one else and if they had as yet any suspicions no one knew of them meantime the gruesome work of photography went on surely never was such a strange subject for the camera denuded of her jewels but still robed in her gorgeous dressing-gown and still leaning back in her luxurious armchair with that strange smile of happy expectancy miss lucy carrington presented the same air of regal authority she had always worn in life her eyes were widely staring but there was no trace or hint of fear in her peaceful attitude of repose there's no solution said inspector brunt deeply thoughtful no one could or would crack a skull like that but an experienced and professional burglar and housebreaker and such a one could have but one motive robbery and the jewels were not stolen inside job observed schofield briefly his eyes on his work maybe the burglar was frightened away at the critical moment no whatever frightened him would be known to some member of the family maybe it is hey have you a theory and the coroner looked up suddenly anything but there's no possible theory that will fit the facts except the truth yes except the truth but it will be long before we find that i'm afraid it strikes me it's at the bottom of an unusually deep well well you'd better find it it'd be a nice how do you do for you to fall down on this case there's no falling down been done yet and it may well be that the very fact of there being such strange and irreconcilable conditions shall prove a help rather than a hindrance and then all being in readiness the lifeless form of miss carrington once the proud domineering autocrat now laid low was borne to a distant room for the autopsy that might cast a further light on the mystery of her tragic death End of chapters three and four